The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. For more episodes and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash oncall. Military life and culture is different (laughs) from civilian life. And being a veteran, uh, being in the armed forces, I think that uh, we don't recognize that. Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. Welcome to Annals on Call. This episode features an article titled, A Veteran-Centric Model of Care, Crossing the Cultural Divide. This article appeared recently in the Annals of Internal Medicine in the year 2019. The author, uh, Edward P. Manning, MD, PhD, joins us to discuss this article. Dr. Manning spent 10 years as a Marine Corps officer prior to going to medical school He's currently a pulmonary critical care fellow at Yale University. His insights into the mindset of veterans and how we might better interact with them, I believe you'll find to be very useful. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Well, Edward, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, Your article really struck home with me. And this is sort of a disclaimer. I've been a part-time attending physician uh, at the VA since 1993. I actually did a lot of my training at the VA back when I was a student uh, and resident. And so I'm very VA-centric myself. I love taking care of veterans. Reading your paper really made me think a lot about how I interact with veterans and perhaps give me some ideas on how I can do an even better job. So I thought it'd be really interesting if we could start with you telling us about your military service, since so few physicians these days have had military service. Sure. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with you. Um, I served from uh, 1995 to 2005 in the United States Marine Corps as an officer, and I loved my service time. And um, I started out actually in uh, logistics as a supply and fiscal officer and learned a lot from it. But, you know, I was much more interested in combat armed service and uh, I was lucky enough to be selected for reconnaissance training and served for two years with a reconnaissance company. And in about 2002, came to the East Coast and went onto reserve duty. My wife had gotten a job here at uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. And I started doing post-bac courses for medical school. It was activated for the uh, invasion of Iraq and was an infantry officer during the war and came back, finished up some post-bac schooling, applied to medical school. And 2005 was the time when I was applying for MD-PhD programs. And my wife and I had to come to a decision together of saying, do I stay involved in the United States Marine Corps, even as a reservist, or do I really try to go into medical school and put all my efforts into getting accepted and uh, trying to be a doctor? And uh, it was a very difficult decision. And I was happy to say that I was accepted into medical school at uh, Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, but it was somewhat of a bittersweet parting with the, the Marine Corps. So I really loved my time serving. I missed the Marine Corps, but it's I've, I love being a doctor. And 
taking care of veterans, as you had mentioned, is, is, is a joy. And for me, in many ways, it's coming back home and continuing my service. One of the things that I really liked about uh, your paper was trying to explain to those of us who were never in the service what the mindset is and the culture of being in the military that's so different than civilian life. And maybe if you could talk a little bit about that and how that might influence how our patients look at us or even listen to us. Sure. I think I mentioned in the article, it's my wife was the first one to bring this to my attention that military life and culture is different <laughs> from civilian life. And being a veteran, uh, being in the armed forces, I think that uh, we don't recognize that. We're Americans. We, we join the military to support and defend the Constitution. Um, we feel that there's not much more American than that. Yet the military service changes that. And she specifically said, you know, I, I go past the gate. She's like, it's like I'm in a foreign land. And I was like, really? And uh, over the years, she's kind of been my sounding board. I think I learned it too, coming back and, and having to become a full-time civilian again, that there's different worlds that we're living in. Uh, it wasn't really until I became a doctor and then having had to sit on both sides of the exam table of saying, oh, there's a big difference here. I think that veterans, I think physicians should understand that veterans have no reason to see themselves as different, so they may not appreciate the fact that civilians and military veterans are culturally different. Um, but I think uh, it hit me home saying that physicians really should appreciate that because I had a hard time myself understanding that. So if I had a hard time, then those without a military background, you know, most certainly would have difficulty understanding a, a veteran's mindset. In your training, and you've worked some at university hospitals and some at VA hospitals, in your training, what have you learned differently when you work at a veterans hospital as opposed to a university hospital? That's a great question. Um, well, in some ways, I've learned the same rules uh, that we apply to patients in academic university hospital or any civilian medical setting really should be applied at the VA uh, as well, but we tend not to. And uh, what I mean by that is we're taught in medical school to go in with an open mind to every exam room and to really make no assumptions about race, uh, sexual preference, gender, uh, anything, and really have an open mind to get a good history, to connect with the patient, and to know and understand where they're coming from to better their care and respect their goals of care going forward. So when I went to a VA and started practicing, I think everyone had the same sentiment uh, you did, sir, which was saying, veterans are great. I love caring for veterans. But when I'd ask them, I'd say, yeah, why, why is that? What makes them different? And many of my colleagues would say, I don't know. I don't know what it is that's different. I think that we go in with a lot of assumptions that, you know, there's something different about veterans. I can't put my finger on it. They're different from caring for other patients. I think sometimes we just came to assumptions of saying, well, th there's no major difference. They're just like you and me, but a little different. I, I wanted to kind of uh, expose that there are very deep underlying fundamental differences and that we all may have grown up uh, with similar backgrounds, but the experience, the military experience changes people. And as soon as you earn the title of veteran, by nature, you're different. That's what I learned is I had to open up my own eyes and just say, wow, what is it that makes the veterans different? 
Uh, and I think other physicians uh, might, I thought they might benefit from hearing that too, is saying, you know, just learning some more basic understanding of the military experience uh, may help you understand, you know, why, uh, why you may care or not care for taking care of veterans, but what makes them different. During your training, you've seen a lot of other physicians interact with veterans. Are there any mistakes that you see on a regular basis that uh, some understanding would decrease that we'd be making such mistakes? I've seen a few basic ones that were, I think, really just pure misunderstanding. And there was certainly no malice on either the veterans or uh, physician side. Um, And one I referred to in the article uh, was regarding the use of sir or ma'am and other little customs, courtesies, or from the civilian side may be observed as kind of quirks or idiosyncrasies. But on the veteran side, this is how we do things. So the use of sir or ma'am, I think, is I always kind of chuckle with that. The very first experience I had walking into a VA as a resident, came in nice and early, was looking for the resident workroom, and the halls were basically empty, still like early morning hours. And the one door I found up, I think it was open, was probably the nurse manager our very experienced, you know, uh, staff member at the VA, and I knocked on the hatch and said, uh, uh, yes, ma'am, can you please direct me to the resident workroom? And the nurse looked, and she goes, oh, my gosh, I'm not that old. Don't call me ma'am. She was like, oh, sure. And I don't think she was offended, deeply offended, but she really didn't like that. And then uh, uh, she showed me where the room was. But I've noticed that over the years that many of my colleagues would get particularly in the Northeast United States, would almost take it as a little bit of uh, a mention of their age. And oftentimes I feel like a little rebuked if I say that in the hallway or if the veteran had told them like, yes, sir or ma'am. So I pointed that out as a clear example of saying it's nothing but respect and almost required uh, in every instance. Why would a veteran not refer to a doctor who is Uh, hands down an officer in the military, why would they not say sir or ma'am? But on the civilian side, I could understand of saying culturally, that's a little different uh, where we live outside of the VA. And, you know, someone may take a little bit of offense to that. Um, But it's certainly not meant that way. I've seen a lot of other like minor examples like that, where I say, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's interesting. This is just a cultural difference. Well, we'll have to bring you down to the deep south where uh, <laughs> civilians and veterans uh, yes. call everybody sir and ma'am, and yes. nobody nobody would ever be surprised yes. to be called sir or ma'am in the deep south. But I can imagine that happening in the Northeast, and that's Northeast listeners, please don't take that personally. Yes. I think it's representative of, again, that it, this is a standard or a norm like many others that veterans have become accustomed to, that we would never question, down south may never question the same, well, that's fine, or northeast say that's not the typical norm. But I often uh, am struck too, like every time a patient comes to see me uh, in a clinic, I always wonder and say, why are they here? Like, what, what's the underlying reason? You know, there are so many social influences that could factor that. Uh, for example, young men coming to a clinic often will have certain problems that would bring it to the doctor's attention. But an elderly woman will come in and seek a doctor for very different ones. I've run into cases where I might see someone who's still on reserve duty or otherwise and come in and see me or one of my colleagues. And I often ask that question, why are they here? And I can recall one case where I saw a young gentleman who was really having uh, some difficulty breathing with exercise, and I sensed a lot of hesitation from him. 
And, you know, we stopped back and I said, you know, could we step back for a second? I was like, are, are you still on reserve duty? And he's like, yes, sir. And I was like, are you worried that I'm going to report any of this and you're going to get a light duty chit or basically get, you know, deactivated or not allowed to deploy with the unit? He said, I absolutely am. I'm terrified about it. And to be honest, I wasn't sure of the protocols either. And I had to kind of talk to my superiors and others and let's say, well, let's talk about this. But it hit me. Many civilians wouldn't have understood as saying this is a gentleman whose breathing difficulties might affect their line of work. And it probably precluded him from coming to the office for quite some time. Um, whereas on the civilian side, he might have gone and said, you know, it's not a big deal, but I got to get it checked out. Um, and there's a lot of cases like that. People's military experience and military status may very much affect how they view coming to the doctor. When we're taking care of patients at the VA, we often ask them what they did in the service, where they served, and how long they're in the service. What advice could you give to those of us who are not in the service about asking these questions? And my feeling is these uh, questions show respect for the veteran and helps us understand who he or she is. Am I on base or off base? I think you're absolutely on base. And I think it's the right thing to do to ask these questions because it's such an important part of someone's social history. At our VA, we usually, there is a segment in the primary care note that often is devoted to military history. Um, I've heard at different VAs around the country. I believe I read an article, I think in the New York Times, that was talking about a, a VA where they had volunteers coming and writing the story, like uh, several hundred words just about the person's military life. So physicians could hear about it, see it. So I think it's something that not only should be asked about, but must be asked about. But I think I would warn all of, uh, of our listeners and, and my fellow physicians that it's just like asking any other element of history is that you have to be prepared for uncomfortable answers and experiences because I often tread lightly too. I, I loved my experience in the United States Marine Corps, but I know there are many people who did not like their experiences for many good reasons in the military. So I openly ask them about their military experiences, but if a patient does not want to answer it, yeah, you know, I generally don't push it. And it may give me a clue as to, you know, that may be participating into why they're here to see me or get care. But it certainly shouldn't preclude people from answering. I think in the article I referred to saying that there may be being prepared for that uncomfortable situations. I ask a lot of people, you know, so what what branch did you serve in? And if they didn't serve in the United States Marine Corps, then a lot of the answers I may get, I might not even know the answers to. And they'll say, what I'll say, oh, in the Army, what did you do? And they'll give me their specialty designator. And I don't know a lot of them from the Army. And if they say, I did this, it's okay. Just like everything else in medicine, we ask and say, oh, can you tell me more about that? I don't know what that is. And uh, that's a pretty good gauge. Most veterans I've met, they, they want to tell you what they did, how they liked it, and uh, share more about themselves. And uh, I think that it's uh, some people do ask it, other people don't. But I would, I would encourage everyone to say, you should definitely ask. And uh, I think uh, someone who really values their military service will be very honored that you ask and be happy to share what they've experienced. For the last 25 years, I would estimate that over 50% of my patients, inpatient at the VA, 
were Vietnam-era veterans. I was in medical school during Vietnam and did not serve. Uh, I have relatives who served and friends who served. One of the things that I do on a regular basis is if they serve during Vietnam is I go out of my way even more than usual to thank them for their service and commiserate on how poorly they were treated uh, when they returned from Vietnam. I'm not sure that I'm doing the right thing, but it feels like I get positive responses to that uh, because there was uh, such a an outcry uh, and inappropriate treatment of veterans uh, of that era. Have you had any experiences with that at all? I would share your sentiment saying that uh, thanking people for, for the work they've done, and I, I think that's somewhat universal. Uh, Caregivers such as yourself who who care for veterans and and people that are in our line of work that choose the roads of doing service over profit. Um, and I think in many ways that almost all doctors, uh, that ratio is always more service than profit. Um, you know, that we all recognize that everyone does things for the common good. And so people at the VA, when I get some of my own care there, when they say thank you for their service, uh, I agree. I say I, I thank you for the service that you're doing for those who served. Um, so I think it's a very much a mutual respect. Um, I hear what you're saying about like with the treatment of Vietnam veterans. I I was born uh, after Vietnam um, or just as it was coming to an end, and uh, I didn't get to witness that myself. Certainly, I've heard about the treatment of of Vietnam veterans. And uh, returning home from Iraq, I certainly didn't experience any of that negative stigmatism. I've had many people thank for my service. It's a double-edged sword. Sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable because I don't know the quite right response, but I just say, well, thank you. That's very kind of you. But it is. It's very touching, and, uh, and it means that people understand and respect what we've done. I can certainly say there's, I've traveled throughout different parts of the country and I have seen that I think there are some communities that are much more veteran-centric, I'd say, than others. And a lot of that may be due to the amount of percentage of the population of veterans that they have. Uh, And there are some regions where there's just not a lot of veterans. And I think that people are more removed from the military culture. Um, But Regardless, it felt great to come home to a country that was appreciative um, and was able to separate those who serve from the politics of uh, asking for service, um, which sometimes aren't always aligned. But again, for those of us who signed up, we want to serve our country. And I think that people should never be faulted for that. Well, great. I really thank you for writing uh, this article and discussing it uh, with us for all of us who currently work at a VA and so many physicians who at one time trained at a VA. I think understanding who our veterans are and trying to understand the experiences they've gone through will help us deliver better care to them. And that's really the goal because if anybody deserves it, it is our veterans. Thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak with you. And yeah, and I've you know, physicians such as yourself and uh, and those that devote a career to serving veterans at the VA, I've uh, uh, I've learned a great deal from, and I uh, have a great deal of respect for, and I uh, I hope to become one of them in the future. Thanks. Now it's time for Bob's pearls. 
I found this discussion very interesting as one who sees patients uh, at a VA hospital for over the last 25 years. Dr. Manning gives us the perspective of a veteran who also has taken care of veterans at VA hospitals. I regularly ask patients about their military history and find that uh, we learn a lot about the person. It improves the doctor-patient relationship and patient trust. And our entire team seems to enjoy getting to know the patients and understanding their background. I believe that many of the things that we discussed on this podcast will help you better understand your veteran patients. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. For more episodes of Annals on Call and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash on call. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified. The information contained in the podcast should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment.